Just as a warning, because of the content that we're going to be talking about here, the content of the movie Sound of Freedom and the things surrounding it, it may not be the best episode for all of the younger ears to listen to. If you're listening to this with your children, keep this in mind. Maybe listen to this episode on your own first and decide for yourself, because they're your children, whether or not you want them to listen as well. Thank you so much and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Combatives Podcast. Today we are being hosted by Christcord, the Christian Discord server. You can join by going to discord.gg forward slash Christian, discord.gg forward slash Christian. Today we are going to be talking about the movie The Sound of Freedom. This will be a spoiler heavy, a spoiler heavy review of the movie. So if you wanted to go see it and you didn't know what happened in the movie anyways, maybe come back to this. I don't know, maybe you want, you want the movie spoiled for you so people actually enjoy that. I do have a spoiler-free review on the YouTube channel. It's like seven minutes long. But I'm joined here by Stigma the Artist, and we're going to be talking about not just the Sound of Movie, or the Sound of Freedom movie, but we're also going to be talking about the backlash and a lot of controversy that happens around the movie. So without any further ado, let's get into it. First of all, Stigma, what is what is the sound of freedom? What is the movie about in kind of general terms? It's based on a true story, and it follows this uh, character named Tim Ballard, who was a agent for the Homeland Security Agency, I believe a specific division for the capture of pedophiles, specifically, and perpetrators of crime against children. He was part of that agency. And so it follows basically his journey from basically cleaning up after the crimes have been committed and going after the pedophiles themselves. And he decides after a while that he would be better served actually going in and rescuing these children rather than just simply picking up the people that do it. He thinks that there's a chance that he can go after the sources as well as save the children. And so he basically has to go off the grid and go, I believe it, it's in Colombia or yes, it is in South America. That's where he sets up base. And he follows this pedophile ring that is a big network down there. And so he has to build up his own reputation down there in order to infiltrate it. And that's basically the crux of the whole plot is him trying to take down this pedophile ring while searching for some children that he came across while he was doing a takedown from a distributor. Tim Ballard, I believe he's a, I believe he's a Mormon. Uh, he's, and he worked with, I think, Glenn Beck to start an organization, the Underground Railroad Project or something along those lines. Actually, I heard recently that both that foundation and another foundation that he was a CEO of both have let him go. I'm not entirely sure why, what the reason is behind it, but his idea is that he's going to start another organization. And, you know, they said, well, it's time to part ways. Not really sure what the deal is behind that. I'm sure there's going to be more details coming out at some point or another. Yeah, so working with the Department of Homeland Security, his frustration is, you know, he wants to... He wants to help the kids. It's one thing to be able to capture the criminals, but it's another thing that he's not actually being able to rescue any of the children. Now, the way the movie starts out, it actually follows. It's it's a pretty, I would say that there aren't graphic depictions of, of the crimes in the movies, but so much of it is suggested. So much of it is, you know what happens next, or you know what happened in the previous scene, that it can be very uncomfortable for people to watch, particularly parents. One of the interesting aspects of this is that it's not talking about, well, here's this, 
you know, going after individual onesie twosie type uh, working alone criminals, but rather is focusing on this concept that there's an international child trafficking ring. And it, even though it's based in South America, this particular ones that he deals with, it's not limited to South America. They talk about sending sending the kids to to China or India or any other place in the world, but the United States as well. America is cited as being one of the biggest consumers of child pornography in the movie. So yeah, that's a big, that's a big point they wanted to drive home. Yeah, this is not, I mean, one of the important factors of the movie is that this is not a, well, that's, that's another country's problem type type issue. This is something that's going on in the United States, uh, particularly. So the movie begins, it, it follows a story of a young boy and a young girl and they're, you know, they're picked up by, I believe it's a modeling agency or something along those lines. And through this, they're ushered into this, they're ushered into this seedy scenario where they're literally trafficked. They're taken away from their parents, from their father, and they're moved all around the world and abused. But it starts off with this, this, this grooming based on, based on, uh, based on modeling. Now, what seems to have come out since then is a lot of people are drawing connections between between the way Hollywood operates and the way that you, the Western world operates in terms of, in terms of, well, child stars, you know, talking about exploitation, tons of, tons of stories have come out of Hollywood of examples of stars who've grown up and gotten older and said, Hey, I went through all of these horrible things, especially when I was younger, all these hor- horrible experiences. And I was, you know, groomed and abused and all these other things, but I was told that they would make a star out of me. So I feel like a lot of the backlash to this movie from Hollywood, this is, you're seeing a lot of backlash from mainstream media in Hollywood, a lot of the backlash is honestly a guilty conscience. This, this is something, it's not just, oh, gross, you know, second and third, third world countries are doing this. This is, this is an indictment of kind of the U.S. involvement in these things, these things as well. Yeah, if you really want to get into that, um, just look into the history of uh, Disney child actors throughout the old uh, Disney sitcoms. You'll find a lot of abuse among the executives, among the staff, uh, with the child actors exploiting them in various different ways. It's it's certainly something that is not uncommon in the entertainment industry, and that's something that this movie doesn't even particularly take a stab at it's it's not specifically just about the entertainment industry it's more so focused on the colombian system that is set up the distribution aspect of it which is why i think the controversy surrounding it is even more you know unwarranted and confusing so you know as you follow the plot you realize that as these two children that are shown in the beginning are kidnapped the the main character tim ballard he sets up a sting like this is the first scene that he's in he's he's setting up a sting for a distributor of child pornography and uh child trafficking long story short they get the guy they arrest him and uh the agents find a massive stash of records with all the children and all the video evidence of the abuse of these children and that is sort of the thing that drives him over the edge after all this time because this is something that he has to deal with because part of his job is to review all the evidence and that includes watching like hours of footage of these exploitive acts happening to these children and it doesn't show anything explicit of course it's obviously you know heavily heavily implied which i think was very uh smart on behalf of the filmmakers because when you're doing a film you know a visual presentation on a subject like this it's hard to 
it's hard to fully show the gratuitousness and the the overall grossness of the situation uh, without exploiting the child actors that you need in order to fully display what is going on. But I think they handled it very well, you know, hiding every, anything that was explicit, but you get the idea of what's happening. You get the idea of what these characters are feeling and you, it really drives home the point it's trying to make all while, you know, carefully constructing it around a uh, tight sense of plot and a tight, a tight cinematography. So I think that was very good on the part of the filmmakers. But yeah, you really follow this uh, this guy's journey, who's a real man, who's gone through all of this. You know, he was a uh, advisor on the movie, and he was heavily uh, involved in it. And so, you know, he sees all the constant pain that these children are put through, and he thinks that he should be doing more. You know, they have an opportunity to not only uh, put away the criminals, but to help the children that these distributors are uh exploiting and uh making victims of that gets all set up very quickly the movie uh quickly moves on to his operation that he sets up the overall plot structure of this movie can be a little slow sometimes particularly in the second act but i think it's certainly something that you will not lose engagement in it's not something that will uh lose your interest especially considering the subject matter. So uh, on that part, I think this film did a great job being both tactful, graceful, while also blunt and to the point about its message. So real quick on the, on the, on the plot. When I was watching the movie, uh, actually there was a period of time where I thought the movie was going to end before, before it did. So during the movie, the guy goes and he rescues this, this brother, or this, uh, well, he rescues a whole group of kids. Mainly the movie focuses on two kids, a brother and a sister. And he, and he rescues the brother first. The brother is, he has a sister and he, you know, he's, and he's sad because his sister's still gone. The, the father basically says, how can, I, how can I sleep at night knowing that there's the empty bed of my daughter? So the rest of the film is him going after trying to rescue this particular girl. And obviously there's, there's plenty more people who are, who are affected along the way. And, and thankfully they're, you know, they're rescued. But what, where I thought the film was going to end, so he has this major sting operation on basically a miniature Epstein Island type scenario where he rescues. I mean, in the movie, I think they only depict the rescue of about 50-something people. In real life, that actual thing, I think there was 103 uh, children. I, think, I believe there's over 100 children were rescued. But what I thought was going to happen in the movie, so he was trying to rescue this guy, this, this kid's sister, this, uh, the, the girl, the, the second character. And what I thought was going to happen was when he realized that this girl was not among the people rescued on the island, I thought the movie was going to end there. And it was basically going to leave you hanging that it's a needle in a haystack scenario where there are just so many children being abused and trafficked all over the world and they could be anywhere at any point. The chances of him finding this this girl who's been abducted at the beginning of the movie are slim to none. And I thought that that would be a very depressing but powerful way to end the movie. There was a part of me that thought that that was how it was going to go. I'm not entirely sure if the two individual characters who were rescued, if that's actually what happened in the, in, in reality or not. But according to it, in the plot of the movie, the, the son and the daughter are both rescued and they're reunited with their father. And of course they have to deal with that trauma, but the, the movie's tied up in a, in a kind of a neat, a neat bow. bow. I almost, almost think it would be more powerful if it had ended without being able to find without being able to find the other person. Right. I actually think um, from what I've researched, the last act uh, where they go into the jungle and it's sort of like a uh, 
Metal Gear Solid type of stealth operation that he does. I think that part was mostly uh, exaggerated specifically for the movie. Um, it, uh, I think what happened is they, you know, they had everything, they had everything made, you know, the whole operation on the island definitely felt like the third act and it would end there. Um, it felt like it was all wrapping up. And I think they still had some time left that they needed to put in for the uh, length of the movie. And so I think they just decided to uh, try to create a nice little um, ending for uh, the girl character so that, you know, it wouldn't leave the audience too depressed. Um, I think that was added mainly for the uh, for the length of the movie um, because it definitely felt like a almost like a prologue. Yeah, the 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 way the pacing changed at that point, it definitely did feel yeah. Well, epilogue. It felt like um, right, an epilogue. Yeah, it, it felt like an after the scene. It, it was weird. It felt like the movie had had, had come to a conclusion, but then was was going to keep going on at that point. And I, I, I'm welcome to be corrected if that's actually what happened. If he did Metal Gear Solid his way into a, a village of of terrorists in South America and rescue a choke a guy out and rescue the girl and everything. If that happened. Okay. I mean, if you see pictures of, see pictures of the guy, he's not some plump behind a desk, you know, office worker. I look at him like, you know what? Maybe <laughs> it could have, it could have happened. Um, mm-hmm. he, 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 he was, it's not, again, not an office worker. He was a field worker, department of Homeland security. There is, they do actually have, kind of military training, some degree of combat training and stuff. So it wouldn't be completely impossible. It, it's definitely a big story. Uh, so I'm, again, I, I, anytime I see a movie that says, you know, that's based on true stories or, you know, the, the following events are true as Fargo. Uh, there has to be some embellishment. There has to be some embellishment. Details, obviously for the, for the sake of the movie, because, you know, if things were told exactly as they were, then a lot of movies would be, more unwatchable <laughs> so i can see even even when you're trying to display something that has a really good message ultimately it still has to be consumable it, that's exactly it so the question i kind of have is is where's the line at, at what point is there is there fictionalization fabrication yeah regardless the the message remains the same excuse me the message remains the same there there are these these, these groups of uh, of people who prey on prey on children and, and slavery is at an all time high in in world history, especially including all the all the children who were enslaved and moved all around the world. I wanted to draw a contrast. You were talking about the tactfulness of the movie and the way that the movie depicted these these really horrific incidents in ways that did not lose the brunt force, but at the same time were were tasteful in that they didn't. They didn't take advantage of the child, the child actors. And I wanted to contrast, and I'm probably not, I'm certainly not the first person to draw this contrast, but there was a movie that came out a while back on Netflix that I've never seen, have no intention of seeing, a movie or TV show called Cuties. And it's all about, it's, I guess it's about like toddlers and uh, twerking, having twerking competition. It's, it's really gross. The whole concept is, is, is really gross. And the reason the movie caught, caught a lot of, fl- I, I think it's a movie, not a TV show. The reason yeah, it caught a lot of flack is because it was it was exploited, exploitative, exploitative of these children. It actually had children performing despicable acts in front of a camera. Now, the excuse was that I that I read regarding the movie. The excuse was, well, we're just depicting this thing. You know, these this is a horrible situation these kids are going through. And 
you know, whatever their, right. their it's circumstances. It's meant to be a are. cautionary tale. That was apparently the the um, intentions of the filmmakers, but but knowing yeah. how French filmmakers can be. <laughs> well, that. So okay, so let's say you want to do that. You want to make a cautionary tale. There are children being exploited. So if there, are, if you're making a cautionary tale about children being exploited, do you a exploit children to do it, or b do what Sound of Freedom did? And I don't think that Sound of Freedom lost any of the impact of what what happened just because the the director decided not to exploit children in the making of it. Right, and I think the Cuties had over a hundred kids audition for those roles. And yeah. So... Take that I, as you will. I mean, I've got I've got a low view of of the Hollywood elite, the politicians, the anyone who has who has too much money and and influence and and makes movies where they're in a position where they can you know they can hurt other people to to make a profit. I'm I'm instantly suspicious of. But this kind of comes around to another topic that that people have been talking about. This is the big thing that came out uh, following the movie is a controversy involving something called QAnon. The accusation is that Jim Caviezel, the guy, the the, the actor who played um, Tim Bullard uh, in the movie, that that he's a secret QAnon agent, and this whole movie is a, a male power fantasy and all uh, all conspiracy theory regarding this QAnon internet nonsense. Uh, so right. The the whole conspiracy is that. Um kids are kidnapped and put through different situations that creates a chemical in their brain. Um, the name escapes me, but it's a certain Adrenochrome. chemical that, right. It's, it's, it's rumored to have like life preserving properties or youthfulness, uh, to it. And, uh, the elites like siphon this drug from them in order to give them, you know, uh, health, uh, health properties and expanded life. That is the, uh, rumor that goes around in the QAnon circles. I myself haven't researched it very well. Um, but yeah, this whole controversy is based around not what is depicted in the movie itself. It is uh, centered around comments that the actors and some of the, uh, some of the producers, uh, I believe, including Tim Ballard, said in interviews separate from the movie itself. And so they've decided, because of that, that the movie itself must be a reflection of those views, which it is clearly not. Anybody who has watched this movie can see it's not trying to push a, sp a specific political agenda, definitely not one that's just right-wing or far-right, as they're trying to characterize it as. Um, I believe it was the Rolling Stones who uh, had the headline that The Sound of Freedom was a male... Uh, power fantasy or superhero movie for dads with brain worms and that in and of itself just i think speaks so uh sharply to the mindset that a lot of these uh reporters and a lot of these uh news channels uh tend to have and if you actually look at the people who own most of these news channels um a lot of them are owned by the same uh company who have the same investors um, and they usually slant to one political side. So whenever they hear anything that is even slightly against their their own, you know, perspective and their own worldview, they tend to lash out without even thinking. And um, it goes way deeper than that. I believe uh, Bloomberg just recently came out with an article talking about how the sound of freedom is 
a is a fear-mongering movie that is trying to make a bigger deal out of something that's not as big of a deal as it seems. And that w- that article was written by a uh, contributor from, I, bel- I, I can't remember which organization he is from, but he is a controversial figure where he has made several pro, pro-pedophilic articles. Um, he has made a lot of... Uh, uh, map sympathetic uh, statements. Maps being the minor attracted persons, the acronym that they've given to people with pedophilic tendencies to make it sound less bad than it is. And so, all I'm saying is that if if that's the kind of people that are taking issue with this movie and the subject that the issue is that the movie is portraying, then I think that says more about the person criticizing it than the movie itself because there is no reason why anybody should try to politicize this movie uh when looking at the contents therein there should there should absolutely be a bipartisan issue in terms of well you want to protect the children and not just prosecute the people who are who are attacking the children but also save and rescue these children now again the movie itself doesn't depict really anything Hollywood-esque. There are a couple scenes that are actually based in the United States in the movie, and it's most of the people who are preying on children from afar, but most of the movie deals with deals with South American and Central American countries and, and their direct exploitation and trafficking of the children. The fact that the dots are connected between that and Hollywood, I mean, it's it's not a hard... <laughs> The dots are not too far apart, is what I'll say. It's, right, it's and pretty one of easy our commenters, uh, Solo Ecclesia, has said uh, in the comments that uh, Ballard has explicitly denounced QAnon multiple times. So that even goes to show just how, uh, per- just how pervasive the media's uh, lying is and how damaging it is to their reputation. Well, it kind of begs the question, if you're going to oppose this movie, on what grounds are you going to get away with opposing it? Now, the people who oppose it on the grounds of QAnon, at least they can claim, well, this is this is spreading misinformation or disinformation. QAnon is a conspiracy theory. You know, it's all a, it's all a plot to accuse people of, of harvesting adrenochrome from children and, and having demonic parties and, and things like that. At least there, they could have, they could potentially have some ground to stand on and say, okay, well, this is all, you know, just made up. Uh, it made, made up nonsense, an inconvenient truth or type movie where it's just ch- made up nonsense to, to scaremonger people. The fact of the matter is that this is, since this is a real problem, on what grounds could you actually oppose it? Especially if if uh, Ballard has specifically said, well, no, I, I don't I don't follow this QAnon stuff and I'm not you know, pushing this QAnon stuff. The movie doesn't mention adrenochrome. The movie doesn't mention Hollywood party, demonic blood drinking ceremony parties and, and Pizzagate and all these other things. The movie doesn't right. mention any of those things. And and I was reading some reviews on uh, various movie uh, review sites like IMDb and Letterboxd. And some of these people who are giving it like one star, half a star, all the reviews are calling it like MAGA uh like MAGA fear-mongering nonsense or movies that was made tailor uh tailor made for Trump supporters and Republicans and people who fantasize about murdering other people. And so it's it's so interesting the reaction to this movie. 
from people who I just I just refuse to believe they even saw it. I, I don't see how you can draw these conclusions from the plot of this movie. If you're going to criticize this movie, I can understand if you're going to do it from like a technical perspective. Like I said before, the plot can sort of drag in the uh, second act mm -hmm. um, because a large part of the second act is built on uh, Tim Ballard and his uh, and his new uh, affiliates trying to build a uh, a false uh, network of um, of uh, a, a false reputation for child trafficking in Colombia so that they can get close to the perpetrators and the auctioneers that actually distribute um, these children. So it's largely focused on that, you know, building up their, building up their reputation, building up their operation so that they can infiltrate these specific uh, areas. And it can go on for a bit too long, uh, setting up everything until you get to the third act. Well, what I consider to be the real third act, which is, you know, him setting up the, the fake party island where he invites a bunch of uh, uh, big time uh, auctioneers and uh, distributors. Um, yeah, that 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 in and of itself, I think, was the only real criticism I had of the movie. But I don't see how you can criticize the theme or the message that the movie is trying to get across. And it's not as if they're, like you said, it's not as if the whole plot is based around a bunch of like Democrat politicians. So I don't understand what this this attitude of it being like a, a right wing, you know, power fantasy. Uh, I, I, it just doesn't make any sense. If you're going to criticize the movie itself based on comments that the actors Jim Caviezel has made on, you know, podcasts or interviews, it's like, okay, you can criticize, you, you can criticize his comments. You can say you disagree with him, but that doesn't take away from the overall message of the movie. Yeah, the at the very core of the movie, and this is established so early on in the movie, the whole premise in the movie is that he's tired of going after the people, he's he's tired of going after the criminals themselves and intends to go after the children to save the children. So if your takeaway from the movie is, well, the movie is just, you know, a power fantasy about going around and and murdering, you know, well, well-meaning tra child traffickers and, and just a, a violent mindset. No, that's not. I mean, this movie was, I believe somebody said it was classified as an action movie, but but Tim Ballard doesn't go around just John wicking everybody. He, the, the, the movie is largely about setting up setting up ways to save the children, getting as many children as possible in one location so they can be saved or tracking down individual children who are trafficked all over the world. The, the core premise of the movie is not to go out and do violence. The core premise of the movie is to go out and to, to protect the children. Again, yeah, it's bizarre. And I yeah, think telling... I was surprised actually how uh, a little violence was in the movie in terms of like uh shootouts or you know hand-to-hand -hand combat scenes like i was expecting some john right. wickness in the movie but no it's like the there's only like i think one or two characters that die on screen uh that you see yeah there's and only so, one of the, the one that i can think of uh, yeah later yeah, on in the right, and that comes at the end uh and so i i really don't understand this this idea that it is going to encourage, you know, 
some sort of extremist vigilante behavior yeah right that was the criticism of some of these articles which again is so off base with with what the uh the intention of the message is and what the intention of the filmmakers is and uh something i want to talk about though particularly is sort of the Straussian effect that has been going on with you know all the media backlash so this movie its budget was 14 million dollars 14 million dollars for the production and the marketing i believe was maybe maybe million two million at most because i didn't see any big promotions outside of like youtube ads and like some ads on instagram right like that is i believe the extent of its online marketing the the main thing that has been driving this movie into the public eye has been word of mouth um which i think is the best uh marketing for any movie that you can get and so right now last time i checked this movie with a 14 to 16 million dollar budget has now made over 90 million dollars in the box office and it's only been out for i think this is like its second week yeah it's, it's, it's only been out for about two and a half weeks and it actually beat mission impossible <laughs> um i believe it was either today or yesterday in the box office numbers yeah i i read that yesterday and i went and watched mission impossible it's it's an enjoyable movie uh but but why do you think it is why do you think it is that people are more engaged in trying to see this movie that has a lower advertising budget, a much lower production budget, doesn't have a bunch of CGI, a bunch of explosions and, and things like that. Why do you think people maybe eschewed watching Indiana Jones or any of the other Elemental or Element or whatever, all, all these other movies that were supposed to be block office block office hits, these these giant multi, multi, hundred million, two hundred million dollar movies, and instead, everybody's flocking to see this movie and said, what is it about this movie that you think that stands out? Oh, we can place that entire fault on the media for a large part. I think um, the the constant attacks on the uh, movie and the people who make it and all the articles that have been coming out that have been, you know, reposted and ratioed on social media. Uh, if you look on Twitter any sort of post that is criticizing the movie not based on you know the movie itself or any technical reasons but for the specific message that they think it's trying to portray that it's a QAnon conspiracy or that child trafficking is not as bad as it's making it out to be those are getting ratioed those are getting <laughs> spread around and so that has a real effect in today's polarized uh society when yeah. you really look at how especially the uh the current right responds to controversy it's basically if the mainstream media is criticizing it then it has to be either good or at least um at least worth watching so i think it was largely the media backlash that prompted many uh hardline uh conservatives and even centrists to go see this movie um and they did that in bulk and um I think another part of it also, uh, something about this movie that is uh, rather unique, um, admittedly, is the pay it forward system that they have. So at the end of the movie, uh, during the credits, you get a special a special message from uh, Jim Caviezel, the uh, main actor for Tim Ballard, who also played Jesus in Passion of the Christ, 
uh, who also played a person of interest, Deja Vu, all those kinds of movies. He uh, gives you a special message about the, you know, the movie, the purpose, why they made it. And they have a, uh, they put a QR code on top of the screen at the end. And this is basically the pay it forward system where he says, if you want to buy a ticket for someone else so they can go see this who otherwise wouldn't have seen it, you can, you know, save them a couple bucks so that they can come and see it for free. And so that also, I think, had a uh, significant impact on its box office and its appeal. So um, there is also that. But yeah, I think it's uh, primarily the, the me clash that sort of prompted many people to go see it um, to see what was going on and what the whole idea behind it was. And of course, the pay it forward system that allowed a lot more people to see it without having to, you know, dig into their budget, especially in today's economy. Yeah, I personally find spite to be an excellent motivator in most cases. If somebody I don't like absolutely hates something, I'll think, you know what? Well, I'll give it a shot. You know, if 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 it came out tomorrow that everybody in Hollywood absolutely hated the Barbie movie. Because it was, I don't know, whatever, it's QAnon, whatever, whatever excuse you want to give it. But everybody on CNN was saying how horrible, you know, they hated the Barbie movie. and It was just so terrible. Nobody should ever go see it. I might be more inspired to to, to go and see it, regardless of its quality. <laughs> it's, you know, um, it's funny. It's kind of the opposite with that movie that, uh, from everything I've been hearing about it, it's actually specifically about feminism overcoming patriarchy. So well, I don't know is, about that one. It is. I'll walk in. I'll, I'll watch the movie. I'll come back with a review of the movie. My dad wants to watch Oppenheimer. I think I'm gonna. I'm just. I know how that one ends. I don't know how the Barbie movie ends. <laughs> but so in terms of in terms of this movie. So in terms of the actual playing of the movie. And I'm gonna say here that I believe uh, Caviezel and 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 um, Ballard also talked about this. They talked about the movie, or Angel Studios talked about the movie in AMC theaters. Now, a lot of people were reporting that they were having issues trying to watch the movie in AMC theaters, which is is fascinating because a lot of it wasn't just oh, you know, it, it was weird they wouldn't let me watch the movie, but you would have examples of AMC theaters being completely. They would say, oh, we're completely sold out. We don't have any tickets for this for this show, and then the the movie theater itself actually being empty, the actual screen being empty, or you would have people mm-hmm. playing the radio the entire time or the lights would be on the entire time or there would be right the air conditioning would go out on a hot day the lights would stay on during the whole screening yeah this uh has happened in quite in quite a few theaters but not i wouldn't say a majority of them a majority of them have gone uh without gone smoothly there's no issues and uh but it got so big on social media and people were you know taking video of all these issues and putting it on their Twitters and on their Instagram that it prompted AMC to make a statement and Angel Studios to make a statement um, saying that, you know, AMC has, you know, been a good partner to Angel Studios. In fact, for uh, compensation, they've released Sound of Freedom in 400 more theaters than they had promised uh, in their contract. And um, AMC has said, you know, uh, these are isolated incidences that will be dealt with quickly. And so I don't think there's, I don't think it's the fault of the corporation. I do think, you know, was it the fault of certain activist uh, employees that were inside the individual theaters? I think that's definitely possible. Yeah, it's a possibility. Likely. 
it could be it could be a coincidence. The fact of the matter is, this is playing how many times a day and how many screens and how many different movie theaters across the world, uh, or across the United States at least. Eventually, you know, uh, inevitably, twice, it's twice less than Indiana Jones, and yet it's making more money than Indiana Jones currently. W- right, but my hope is that uh, after after the reception of this movie and after the reception of movies like Mission Impossible or whatever that aren't pushing. This movie is not pushing a political statement. This movie is is informative. It's entertaining, but it's informative. Mission Impossible, for example, is purely entertainment. It's not pushing any political narrative directly or anything like that. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense as a movie, but it's fun. But what I'm hoping is that AMC, so AMC, you know, as a concession, will release it on 400 more screens. And well, gee, that's that sure is nice of you to to make more money. <laughs> it's such, mm-hmm. such a concession. But what I'm hoping is that AMC. I think AMC is smart smart for taking this up. I think AMC is really really smart for taking this movie and saying, "We'll give it a shot." Maybe cuz I don't know anything about the head of the head of the corporation of AMC. I imagine heads of many corporations are infected with the same sort of politics or at least influenced by people in the company who have the same sort of politics that are that, that invade the work the workplace. And if AMC says, "Well, we'll release this movie. Yes, it's a quote-unquote faith movie." I I, get, I didn't really see any sort of Christianity specifically in the movie. Uh, aside from the phrase, you know, God's children are not for sale. That 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 theme is is inherently Christian, but there was there was no you know evangelizing or or anything in the movie. But I, I I hope that AMC realizes that this is actually profitable to cater not just to one side of the aisle, but to actually release and emphasize movies that people who you know on the other side of the aisle might might want to see. CNN or Rolling Stone is complaining about you know this is. This is for for dads with a power, you know, a superhero complex and a and a brainworm and and all this other stuff. And let's say for a second that's true. We're paying we're paying for for tickets. So let's make some more movies about about you know men being men and being heroic and going and saving children. If that's what people want to see, movies about men going out there and getting their hands dirty to go and save children from child traffickers and to go and do good virtuous things rather than this deconstructionist nonsense where everybody's kind of an anti-hero and, and and kind of gray in terms of morality, but where you actually have explicit good characters against bad characters. If people want to see that, mm maybe make more movies where that's explicitly depicted oh yeah and you can tell that this uh the filmmakers made good use of their budget you know this the cinematography the score i think was quite amazing they 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 chose a really good composer a great uh cinematographer great editing um you can tell they made use of their budget and they got good talent and it looks like a high budget hollywood movie so the production value has definitely gone up uh, for a lot of faith movies, and that's something that um, this is something that a lot of uh, people don't uh, understand. Um, faith movies have always been able to make quite a good amount of money because I think there there is an audience for it, you know. And admittedly, it may be a you know specific demographic that it's catering to, but that that demographic is bigger than a lot of the demographics that the current Hollywood culture is trying to cater to. Um, so I think a lot of these theaters, they understand that, but a lot of these studios aren't willing to uh, take it up because of the influence it could have on certain culture and uh, uh, filmmaking culture in general. And that leads me to another, <laughs> the more you look into this, this whole, uh, 
controversy, the more interesting it becomes. Um, this movie was actually filmed and completed several years ago. And it was, the rights were given to Disney uh, in order to, so that Disney could distribute it through 20th Century Fox, which they had bought up uh, recently. And um, instead of releasing it and distributing it through uh, Fox, they sat on it and they shelved it for I think it was five years. Yeah. And so this prompted the uh, the filmmakers and Angel Studios to basically go through a, a long battle of trying to regain the rights so that they could just distribute it themselves. And if you can see the uh, if you can see the box office that is coming out of this thing, uh, it's a real well, it's a real us. interesting overstep of Disney and miscalculation that they Con made. Contrast Indiana Jones, which is a Disney product now. Contrast how that did. The budget for that was insane, and the the money that Over they made in for it was was pennies in comparison. Now, I I've had a problem with with. Faith, I want to, you know, faith movies, quote unquote, faith movies for a while. A lot of times they're not really well done. They're not, they don't have a, a big budget. Often they can't hire the best actors. Uh, the writers often write in kind of two dimensional ways. Sometimes they tell a good story, but a lot of times they are lacking in ways that some, I mean, the fact is Hollywood cranks out so many movies that inevitably some of them have to be good, but there are some really great Hollywood movies out there. There aren't that many great quote-unquote faith-based movies there's a couple onesie twosies here and there but a lot of them are just kind of corny and you know kind of bible man type stuff or uh, but in this case you have a movie that i think can be appreciated I, you could walk into a theater and let's say you don't know this is a faith-based movie and it's and you think it's just kind of a, a movie slash document well not really documentary but a movie based on a true story i i would have been completely convinced that any you know triple a studio would have would have put this movie out i think that they they did a, an excellent job with what they had and they did so in a way that demonstrates that quote-unquote faith faith movies can make good movies movies that appeal to a broader audience now solo ecclesia our resident rabid papist yeah uh, he makes this comment he says they insist so this is in reference to uh, people who are, who are criticize, criticizing the movie, they insist that Christians do not have a monopoly on goodness and virtue, but when a, a film about child trafficking being bad comes out, it's called Christian propaganda. And now the reality is that this is a contrast that you're going to see between this movie and other movies. If you're going to make a movie where there is where there is a definitely objectively good character, objective good versus objective evil, by nature it has to it has to have kind of Christian roots. It has to have a Christian worldview. It can't be something where it's, well, I'm just doing what feels right for me. I'm doing what's best for me. If you applied that formula to this movie and and you said, well, you know, morality is subjective. It's based on culture. It's based on, you know, different religions and groups and whatever, but there is no objective morality. Then you would look at South America and just say, well, this is their culture. This is the this is just the way that these particular people do things is they abduct children and they don't value the lives of children. They, they abuse and they traffic, they traffic children. Uh, and that's just their culture. We can't criticize this, but because this is approached from a Christian worldview in, in which there is objective good and evil, we can say, look, that's evil. I don't care if it's legal. I don't care if it's allowed. I don't care if you get away with it. It is evil period objective. And you can have good in, in opposing that objective evil. So there is there is a Christian monopoly on good. I'll I'll fight any I'll throw hands with anybody who says otherwise, but I think that this is why this movie stands out. Whereas other movies, 
where you're not really sure if the good guy, the main character, he's supposed to be a good guy, but he's really just kind of following his own rules. I think this stands out in a way that many of those movies don't. Mm, that is that is true. You know, there's a, there's a lot of gray going on in movies these days, and it's become so much that it's actually almost a trope at this point to deconstruct old characters and old themes and trying to make it basically have this postmodern twist of, you know, were they actually good characters They were, they were misunderstood. Well, okay, they, so... They, oh, they, Disney has been doing that with its villains for oh, quite exactly. a while now. Making what was these, uh, making Wicked these Witch remakes. of the West? What was that one? The Wicked Witch the of the Wicked, West? With the Witch of the West, uh, Cruella, which no, I no, think no, was no, the Cru funniest of them all. No, Cru okay, so that... Okay, there's an example. Uh, uh, Wicked, it's called Wicked, and I think it was like a play or something before as a movie or as a play. Yeah, it, it's a play. And it's the Wicked Witch of the West who is... She is evil. That's her whole... Her whole character is she's bad. <laughs> so this... I guess this story is about how, you know, is deconstructing that. And yeah, you had Cruella from Cruella de DeVille, and she is evil in this classic in this classic Disney framework of there are good guys and there are bad guys. Bad for the One sake of the of most just pure bad. evil examples of pure Disney e villains. Like she, she, yeah, she just wants just... to skin dogs for her coats. <laughs> uh, and there was uh, Malefic uh, Maleficent. Malignant? Maleficent. And she was uh, the, the evil character from uh, Sleeping Beauty. So yeah, Disney has done this. A while, but it's interesting that they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot here. They're taking, they had, they were operating in a Christian framework, whether or not they liked it, whether or not they're explicitly Christian stories, and most of them weren't. Most of them were, were based off of of fairy tales from probably from Christian countries back in the day. Uh, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was based on a, a German story, and it was in an era where Christianity influenced influenced storytelling a lot. So you had. You know the the bad character in Snow White. She was she was objectively evil. But Disney goes and shoots itself in the foot when when it has all these movies about good versus evil. And then, well, the bad guy really isn't the bad guy, and it's really they're really misunderstood. And how can we you know see this from a different point of view? Uh, again, apply this to apply this to this movie, The Sound of Freedom. Well, you know these people. This is the only way they can make money, and they're living in poverty, and they're not really responsible for their actions, and it's just a cultural difference, and they're just misunderstood. It's just gross. Just thinking about that sort of justification for evil is is gross. Mm, yeah, and you, and it's one thing to say, you know, if you want to make a more grounded human story in which you want to depict certain things with a realistic uh, angle to it. Um, I have no problem, you know, doing that. Like, there is a lot of gray in real life that you'll encounter in terms of, you know, people's motivations and what they do, and that can make for a compelling story. But at the same time, when you start going into this postmodern, like, trivial of, you know, saying there's no objective truth, there's no objective morality that you can hang to, all the while you see a movie like this, and if you have a visceral reaction and you say, this is wrong, this is evil, this is corrupt, this is vile, it's like, it's it's sort of going back to that idea that, yeah, there are things that I think most people are willing to call objectively evil. And, you know, I think that is a good thing that needs to make a comeback in movies and literature there needs to be more shades. There just needs to be less shades of black and white. I think we've gone through that, you know, sort of depressing gray era of Hollywood. And especially when you start remaking old stories that were very black and white, um, that's when you start pissing off a bunch of uh, 
people who are longing for that era of Hollywood again, because we get enough gray in real life. We get enough, you know, depression and uh, vile things in real life being justified. We get enough of that in real life. You know, I think a movie like this that is centered on calling out evil for what it is and just saying there's no debate about it. It's just this is evil. People need to be made aware of this. And this needs to be talked about more and it needs to be in the public eye more often because, you know, it is something very uncomfortable to think about. It's uncomfortable to talk about like how many, how many table conversations are going to center around this subject, especially, you know, in uh, modern public life. <sighs> do, do you want to talk about the uh, recent decision that the, uh, Biden ad administration made. They, they basically made the uh, trafficking of children, exploitation of children, a lower priority uh, recently. Well, I know. So I think it's was it the Department of Justice or there was there was some website. Uh, yeah, the DOJ. So they talked about they they talked about uh, kind of the Department of Justice talked about the criminal activity of of entering the country illegally and. In their description of this, originally, originally they had a description that included the dangers of uh, of child child trafficking. And this is something that uh, Caviezel and and Ballard actually talk about. I, I watched an interview that they did with somebody that that was talking about. Look, you want to be compassionate on people and say, let's get as many people into the country as possible because we have a lot of money and maybe they don't have a lot of money, so we want to take care of them. But the consequences of that often are that you're enabling child traffickers to, to bring children who are not biologically related to them, children that they have kidnapped, bring them into the country and say, oh, yeah, yeah, he's my cousin, he's my nephew, he's, you know, whatever. And now you're importing, you're importing slaves into the country and you're, you're, you're basically making it legal to, to cross country lines, national lines with, with, with these slaves. Now, I'm not sure entirely, you're, you're talking about that there was a downgrading of the severity? Yeah, um, because they have a priority list of crimes that uh, I believe they they have their department focus on, and I believe they lowered the uh, prioritization of uh, of uh, trafficking of children and uh, crimes against children. Now, I I I am willing to be fact checked on that. Um, I read uh, through the article. I can't. I don't know if it's legit. But um, that is something that I have seen criticized multiple times on social media. I think, and it, yeah, there's. I mean, we're we're coming to a we're coming to a crossroads right now in in society, particularly in the West, particularly in the United States, where I think people are becoming more and more aware of the danger and the harm that's being done to children. You're seeing this a lot in regards to response to things going on in the school system, in the books that children have access to in the events that children are allowed access to, things like this. And I think it's becoming more and more prominent that people are noticing this and saying, hey, this is not good for the kids. This is hurting the children. And maybe I don't want to, I don't want my society, I don't want my public library, I don't want my politicians, I don't want my celebrities to, to, hurt, to hurt children. And I think a lot of people are having this visceral, appropriate visceral reaction to the, to the harm being done to children. So I think that the... The response to that, to, to the people who say, well, I don't want what I'm doing to be classified as harming children. So I, anything that's even, you know, uh, any, that's opposed to the, the most wild extremes of, of child trafficking, I have to oppose even that because eventually those breadcrumbs lead back to what I'm doing if I'm exploiting the children 
in a, in a more subtle degree, in a lesser degree. So perhaps... Mm, yeah, like, like protecting children has become a... Uh, a political topic. Yeah, that's a, a, that's a political MAGA, right? slogan. <laughs> right. Yeah, pr protect the children. Well, I mean, traditionally, I, let's not get political, but traditionally there is there is a group of people who who don't like you know the slaughter of unborn children and they also seem to be opposed to certain types of of inappropriate indoctrination of children i would say that there is a pattern at least on one side of 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 people who want to protect children and want to take care of children that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody on the other side hates children and wants to harm children but if they did it hopefully would not Let's be welcome say on these, one side these of the reporters. table <laughs> right. The, let's just say these reporters seem to always have a certain political slant. Yeah. Any of these, any of these uh, news distributors that are putting out these stories, criticizing the film, not on the merits of the film itself, but on the controversy surrounding it and comments made by the actors outside of the film, they, they all slant towards one direction. And so, you know, take that as you will, but it's certainly extremely suspect in uh, the behavior that we are seeing by a bunch of these news organizations and the the reaction to the backlash itself has been quite glorious to see. You know, you will not find a uh, tweet from these news news organizations about this movie that hasn't gotten ratioed. I'm, um, I'm so glad you're definitely on, you're on Twitter, so I don't have to be. Oh yeah, you know, God, <laughs> God help me. Going on there can be can be a wild ride. So. If nothing else. So obviously these are problems. The Sound of Freedom talks about problems that are still going on. But if nothing else, the major positive benefit of this is now the people now people are talking about this. I did my my seven minute spoiler free free review of the movie got more hits in like two days than most of most of my other movie or most of my other videos on YouTube combined. The fact of the matter is that this is something that people care about. So if if Hollywood is smart, they'll tap into this. And, and, and they'll give more coverage to these, unco these uncomfortable topics. They'll talk about good versus evil. And maybe they'll act as though, you know, they're being scrutinized a little bit more, more heavily. Likewise, politicians, educators, and anybody else. So with that, yeah, I'd, like I, to, I'd like to start wrapping things up. Uh, do you have any final thoughts regarding Sound of Freedom? Ultimately, uh, don't go into this movie thinking you're going to have a, a good time. You know, that you're going to get your popcorn out and have a jolly old you know evening you know going to the movies with your family it's a it's a tough watch it is something that i wouldn't say you should go to to enjoy or to entertain yourself but to inform yourself and to engage in the uh message of the of the movie and the point that it's trying to get across i think is very worthwhile so on those accounts definitely go watch it You'll um, you'll um, be engaged, and you'll you won't leave you know with a feeling of apathy. It'll definitely it'll definitely stir those emotions. It'll stir some emotions, and even if you're just a, a CNN reviewer and you don't actually watch the movie, your emotions will be stirred nonetheless. Uh, yeah, with that, I I, I concur. Uh, go and check out the movie if you haven't seen it already. It's definitely it's definitely worth the watch. Again, I wouldn't recommend it to to younger audiences. Definitely not. To some degree, I might actually recommend that that parents with teenagers may maybe watch the movie together because these are important things. 
it is it is important to see the process of the, this grooming process of people saying, well, oh, we want we want to make you a model, we want to make you you know famous, we want to make you a star, this sort of thing. And I think that this extends beyond what the movie depicts. I mean, they talk about like modeling studios or something like that. But what do you think it conveys when you get people when you get kids on on Instagram and you want them to document every aspect of their lives? And I want to be a star. I want to be a streamer. I want to be you know I want all eyes on me. I want to be in front of a camera constantly. That can very easily lead to some very dark paths, never mind the narcissism behind it. But that can very easily be exploited by people say, hey, you know what would get people to pay more attention to you? Uh, and then that just leads in a really terrible direction. But this is definitely a movie that I think is important. I think it's an important movie. Even if you don't enjoy the movie, it's an important movie to, to know what the content is. And it's an important movie to know what's going on around it. I expect that there's going to continue to be more drama and more controversy around this movie. So this may not even be the last time we talk about it. But we'll see. And for that, thank you guys all for listening. God bless you and take care.